Good afternoon and welcome to the council. We are about ready to get started with a fantastic show today and just waiting for one more camera to come on. And before we get started, it's an absolutely gorgeous day here in Denver. And we're just uh, uh, about to talk about an immigrant story here. Uh, and I think you're gonna love this story as soon as, uh, as soon as we get started here. But I just wanna do a quick shout out for those of you who are on. Uh, to my sponsor here on the council, which is REMAX Alliance. REMAX Alliance, if you want to buy your home in Colorado, you got to go to these guys. Go to www.homesincolorado.com. That's homesincolorado.com. And our other camera here is just about ready to go. Hi, good afternoon, and welcome to the council. I'm your host, Charlie Pacello, and we have a fantastic show for you today. I, I can't wait for you to hear this story. And uh, just want to do a quick shout out to our um, sponsor, REMAX Alliance. REMAX Alliance, if you want to buy a home in Colorado, go to www.homesincolorado.com. That's homesincolorado.com. And these guys, I've known these guys for a very long time. If you want to buy a home, you want to sell your home, go to these guys. I've known them since I was in high school. Uh, and uh, they are the best. They have class, they have integrity. And they're the guys that will get you your home. So go to homesincolorado.com and uh, go to REMAX Alliance. They will help you to buy or sell a home. Um, <clears throat> you know, on the council this year, we've had a lot of different people. We've had professors. We've had doctors. We've had inspirational stories of people who have gone through tragedies and have been able to come out and uh, found triumph. We've had a little girl on here, a beautiful little girl who gave such inspiration in her story and how she was able to overcome uh, at such a tragic event and bring so much hope to so many people in the We I Am We Are movement. And, uh, you know, today we wanted to kind of switch it up just a little bit and kind of bring it a little bit closer to home, a little bit closer to the heart. And uh, it's an important show for me. Uh, because this person here is uh, one of the most important people in my life. Uh, probably the, the most important person because she gave me. And she taught me what it meant to have be in a big family and what the importance of family and in understanding your roots and learning about where you came from. Because whenever we're trying to understand where we came from, we're talking about family and our ancestors. And when we are around family, we reconnect to the source of our earthly existence. We, all of our ancestors are present with us through them. And without them, none of us would be here. <laughs> we just, none of us would have walked on this planet. And they stand beside us when we hug our aunt, when we hold a conversation with our uncle, when uh, we reminisce about our past follies with our cousins. They look on tenderly from beyond and smile with gratitude that the family still comes around together to share the, all that is good between them. And I'm very, very, very fortunate, so fortunate to have come from an amazing family. 
Uh, it is such a blessing. It's a treasure. And their love is unconditional. And you can see it in their eyes and in their gestures and in their smiles. And for a few hours, you forget everything that's going wrong in your life, all the problems, all the issues. And you get to celebrate the life that you have with the people who stand by you. Family, where life begins and love never ends. Isn't that a great quote? Certainly is. When life begins and love never ends. Is really knowing where you came from, is it important? I mean, this is something that was instilled in me at a very young age. But I didn't quite understand it and why it was so important and why it was so critical until I entered the world as a young man and discovered how many people, so many people, who had no sense of who they were, had no sense of what their family history was, and either didn't care or tragically were wounded by their families and were just wanted to escape the pain, just wanted to run from it. And they were running away from the memories, from the abuse, from the tragedies that happened, the terrible things which happened to them. And I'd hear story after story after story, and it would break my heart. And I've recently learned uh, from one of my most revered teachers, Carolyn Miss, who I've been studying with this whole year, the impact of this root wound. Because when we're connected to our families, it, we're, we're able to root. We're able to ground in. It, it allows us to ground into this world. And what happens when that root is cut or severed or severely wounded um, or even broken, it, 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 can, it disconnects us from our tribal identity and it's uh, this sense of belonging, that we really belong here. And it's a thread which links us to every one of our ancestors which came before us. When this is wounded, especially between the ages of, uh, from birth to seven, uh, this can be catastrophic. It can be catastrophic. Why? Because we're not capable of reasoning yet. Little children aren't capable of reasoning. And so everything is experienced for these children as if it's happening to them personally. They can't differentiate. They don't, it's, it's just the way the brain works. And the wound is inflicted by the people who are supposed to protect you. This is an archetypal understanding. These people are supposed to protect you and keep you safe to, so, until you can get grounded into the, world, into the earth. And when this happens at these ages, it damages your own capacity to root into anything, especially trust. And this root called trust is critical to being able to function in the world. It's that the mother will take care of us. And when I'm talking about the mother here, it's Mother Earth, that the Earth will take care of us, the universe will take care of us, that life will take care of you. But even more critical is that you can't trust yourself to take care of yourself. And you'll need to constantly repair this wound every time you experience any kind of betrayal in your life, any kind. And as Carolyn states, quote, people will experience the result of this root wound, but may not understand the depth of the wound, end quote. So if this is you, you've got to go deep into your soul to repair it. It's not, about, it's not enough to just talk about the wound. If you just talk about the wound and you read do hash the wound, you just keep perpetuating the wound. It's retelling the stories of our painful family experiences only keeps the wound bleeding. 
It won't bring healing. You have to go back and heal where the wound originates. And you have to go back to your roots. Making meaning of our experiences, turning our experiences into wisdom, and sharing it with others with the intention to heal and return to wholeness is critical and necessary. And there is no greater healing to be done than to restore that thread which links us to our roots and the ancestral line where we draw our strength and energy from. And understanding where we came from, what our ancestors did, and the efforts that they made to give us the best life possible. They're, it's heroic what, these, what our ancestors did to help us to bridge that gap so we understand where them and they can talk to us. And get, that gives us the strength and dignity to move forward in life and honor their spirits in what they strive to achieve. Now beside me is one of my heroes, my mother. My mom has been there for me for everything. Whenever I needed her, for uh, was ever down on my luck, uh, experienced any kind of tragedy or anything like that, my mom was the first one to come out there. She, uh, one of my fondest memories is I was playing, I was in high school. And, no, no, I was in junior, it was in junior high school. And uh, I had this uh, opportunity to go up into the mountains to do this uh, gifted and talented class retreat. And we were going to do river rafting. But I also had football practice at the same time. And she uh, was determined that I was going to experience both. She wanted me to experience life. She didn't want me to hold back on anything from life. And so after the football practice that, we, that I had, uh, she had got in the car. We jumped into the car. She had my uncle next to her and my brother in the, on, in the back seat, who was just an infant. And she drove me two and a half hours into the mountains to get to this place that I could experience life. And she just wanted me to make sure that, uh, you know, that uh, I didn't uh, miss on the things that could really broaden my life. Uh, when I was down on my luck and uh, had experienced extraordinary pain in, in relationships, and uh, she was the first one to comfort and to come. A mother's love is unconditional. Uh, I've got one of the best. I would like to argue you are the best. Thank you. <laughs> she is an immigrant to this country and has been there for me all my life. And her story and what she has to tell about her journey is going to amaze you. It's going to delight you, and it's going to inspire you. I'm thrilled to introduce to you right now Adriana Capra Pacello, my mother. Thank you, Charlie. It is a pleasure being here and sharing my story. And it is uh, a fun story. There's some sadness, but we always, I've always turned it into a joy. You have to look for positive in every situation in life. Um, my family, and I'll start from the beginning, I come from a big family. I was one of nine children. Uh, I'm the youngest. Three of them passed away before I knew them. Um, we, I lived in Italy. We lived off of our land. Uh, we were very poor, but we loved each other. We had each other every day and supported each other. We didn't have the luxuries. We didn't have any of the, we didn't have hot water. We didn't have, 
Uh, we didn't have water inside. We had the well. We didn't have heat. There was no safe way to go and buy groceries. And, uh, but we all had chores. I, my mother and my father were the best. They were just, uh, uh, my mother was a, a genius. My father was a, a very warm, kind of man that showed us love. They didn't tell, tell us every day, I love you, I love you. They showed us with their action, what they did for us every day. They put food on the table. Uh, my mother would get up early in the morning and tend to the farm, tend to the animals, and so would my father. I didn't know my mom was my mom till I was about five years old because at that time, uh, the oldest of the siblings took care of the younger ones. And my sister, my oldest sister, took care of me. She, uh, she brought me to school. She dressed me, so I called her mom. <laughs> Uh, so I, she was my mom until I knew. Anyway, uh, we um, I went to school uh, up to fourth grade in my little town. My little town was called San Paulo, and there was maybe I don't know seven hundred people, and so everybody knew each other. We were one big happy family, and if you did something wrong, everybody got on your uh, on you to straighten up. Uh, I did the fourth grade up to Sao Paulo. Then the last, I did fifth grade in Boyano, which is about three miles away. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, we walked. There was no bus. There you, was. You didn't have a school bus or anything. Uh, no, no, you no, up? no. Are you no. sure? <laughs> <laughs> I used to tell this story to uh-huh. my uh, you children, and you'd all laugh. Oh yeah, mom. And then when we went to Italy, yeah. I took my children to Italy, and I, and all my friends there shared the stories and how we walked, and we walked every day. And, but I didn't tell my children to have sympathy or to – that's just the way it was. And it was okay. It was okay. We had each other. We had friends. Uh, uh, it was just – we were happy. We didn't have much, but we were happy. Could you tell people, because you actually lived <clears throat> in abject poverty. You yes. lived with, there was nothing. There was, you think 200, 500 years ago, that's when you had no running water. You didn't have any toilets. No. You didn't have any heat. You, didn't have, you lived on a very rudimentary life where you had to, you had to survive off of the land, right? That's exactly right. That's Could you describe a little bit to our, the audience what that was like? What you, you little... We, we, uh, we did farming. We had our own wheat, and then of course, if it was a, we had potatoes, tomatoes. My father made wine. Uh, we had uh, the animals, of course, and the uh, we had cows. We had chickens. Mm-hmm. We had a pig, <laughs> and that was my job: is to take care of the pig and to take care of the chickens. Everybody had a job, and. Uh, so we took care of the animals, and then the animals take care of you. Uh, because we, then we killed the pig at the end of the year after he was mm-hmm. in the, around Christmas time. After Christmas time, we would kill the pig, and, and that's how we, we got our meat. Uh, the eggs, my mother had to sell eggs or the milk a lot of times. We didn't get to have it all the time mm-hmm. be, to buy shoes, to buy a pair of shoes. And it was one pair of shoes, not 10, 
one and you took care of it. But it was okay. It was really okay because we knew what we had was with love. Whatever we had, mm-hmm. it was uh, my f- folks worked very, very hard. We all did. We all participated. Um, uh, let's see. We, um, I wasn't born during the war. I was born right after the war. And the house we had was damaged, but I didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and my mother, the, the genius she was, she put uh, a china cabinet in front of all the cracked walls, and, mm-hmm. and it kept getting worse and worse and worse, but of course, she kept hiding it. My father came to America in 1954. Well, let's go before the, um, your village was, <coughs> excuse me, was bombed, right? Yes. Yeah, they had to yes. go during World War II. They actually, before my mom was born, the family had to evacuate the city. To, to the mountains, yes. The, they had to evacuate into yes. the mountains so as so. the uh, Germans were down there fighting with the Americans coming up. Right. The, and it decimated and destroyed everything. And the, had, they had to hide in the hills there for several weeks. Yes, I, yes, that's yep. what they said. I was, Like I said, I wasn't born, so the mm-hmm. stories from my mother and my sisters. and uh, Anyway, this house... Uh, we got evicted in 1956. We had to leave the house. The house, it had, had two bedrooms, and there was like nine of us. <laughs> nine of you lived in one room or in one house? In one, two bedrooms. Uh-huh. My parents had one, and the rest of us, uh, six of us in, the, in one bedroom. There was four. Uh, there was three of my sisters and my grandma, and then my two brothers. Mm-hmm. And, and I forgot who slept by the, by the fireplace. So we had to. We got evicted, and we had to go and live. My aunt gave us a house, not a house. She gave us two rooms, and my father had immigrated at that time, so he was here in America. And the two rooms, uh, and there was um, three, uh, five of us slept in the room upstairs, and my mother slept by the by the fireplace. Mm-hmm. Now we again, we didn't have a toilet. We didn't have water. We didn't have heat. We didn't have uh, um, anything that all the the luxuries the that we have and luxuries of life of life that we have today. But we had each other. Mm-hmm. We had each other, and and it, it was it was we didn't know any different, so it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> we danced. We sang. My father used. I remember my father played the accordion. Mm-hmm. And we would dance at night. Uh, my father, uh, at nighttime, what we did, we got around the fire, and, and we, there was no TV. We prayed. We prayed. We said the rosary every night, and then we would have a treat. And the treat was like a, a baked potato that my mother would do under the fire, under the coals. Uh, and then you go to bed. You warm up your brick. And you take it to bed with you, because to, to warm up your feet. So, so you, <clears throat> you would heat up a brick for your if, feet uh, in the fire, mm-hmm. and then you would put that in the bed with you mm-hmm. to everybody keep yourself would warm have, at night. Every, yes. Can you tell everybody? I mean, because a lot of times I think uh, we take things for granted. We take things uh, that we don't understand. The conveniences that we have are for, for many of us. It's like we we are really living like kings and queens compared to what our ancestors lived like, uh, and for me, just uh, three generations before. 
uh, one generation before. Uh, yeah. And can you just to describe how you would have to even go to the bathroom? Well, yeah, well, <laughs> you have to go outside, and of course, and there is no toilet paper. You get, uh, uh, um, this is kind of gross, so, you know, you get a, a, a rock or, <laughs> or a leaf. <laughs> <laughs> and in the winter time, because it was cold and it snowed where we lived, yeah. uh, you'd go either to the barn where we had the animals, you'd mm -hmm. walk over there and go there, or we had the what we used to call in the dialect the pichadur, which was a uh, a pan. You do your thing, and then you cover it up and you put it aside. And in the morning, then you go and throw it out in the field. Right. I mean, that's the way it was, and. Uh, Back to our home. My father left America, left Italy when I was seven years old. And I didn't see my father for four years. Right. Four years. Uh, he left in 1954, came to America. And then uh, my mother and my, myself and my sister and my brother, who were under, uh, the siblings had to be under 21 when my father made the papers for us to come. So we all came in 1958. On a boat. Before we get on the boat, I just want to talk a little bit more about Italy. Now, how, how important was the relationship that you had with the land, the animals, and the, and the people in the town? How were you able to survive together? What were some of the key values that kept everybody together in those com communities? Well, we... Uh Whatever one needed, we were there. We shared things. If our crop, uh, if our potatoes were not as as good or we didn't have a good crop that year, the neighbors would help you out. Mm -hmm. We would uh, share things because uh, if we had a better corn, then uh, they give uh, we give them corn and they give us potatoes. So, and and it just kept going. You just uh, you just kept going. And this, the meals were very, very simple. I mean, uh, it was potatoes, bread, and the bread, my, my sisters always made bread, or my mom, I, I was too young, but I remember the big ovens where they used to bake 10 loaves of bread, and, uh, and nothing was thrown away. And if it get hard, we'd wet it with water, and we'd still eat it. Mm -hmm. As long as it wasn't uh, moldy, you ate it. I mean, it was good. You put a little bit of olive oil, a little bit of garlic, and, mm -hmm. and that's the way it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. And um, this, uh, with, with the animals, they, they helped you to survive, and you helped them to survive. I mean, there wasn't any kind of uh, imbalance there, right? No, because... Because uh, it was hard. It was hard to grow up on a farm out there. It's, a lot of people have this misconception that it was an easy thing. It's not an easy thing. Farmers and those who provide our food, they are, my goodness, they are kings. I mean, they're, they're, they are. And we, we, we can, none of us could have the life if there wasn't people who grew the food, who, who uh, raised the crops, who took care of the animals. And when you have it on a microcosm like they experienced in their world, they, that, though those interrelationships were absolutely necessary in order to survive because sometimes the crops wouldn't grow. I mean, you could put all your effort into yeah. making tomatoes grow and potatoes grow and you could have a, a drought you could have a, a bad crop or whatever right. and then you'd have to lean on the animals and if the animals were left to roam they couldn't survive 
they would have died, right, if you didn't have that? You have to take care of them. You right. have to. We have to feed them. Uh, my mother would go, my mother and father would go early in the morning to get grass, to get cut the grass and by where the rivers were because a lot of greenery would grow there and, and they make bundles and bring them to, to the animals. Um, and my brother, uh, my oldest brother worked very, very hard on our, uh, our land. Uh, everybody did. We, and uh, I have an amazing, amazing family. Uh, so it, it was, uh, it was, it was fun. So now looking back, I think, wow, what an experience I had. And looking at the way life is now. What's your best memory as a little, from that time as a little girl? What's your favorite memory, Ma? Uh, dancing outside when we had our feast. Oh, yeah? We, when we get the crops, because <laughs> uh-huh. I love to dance. It was instilled in me as a little girl. <laughs> and my father playing the accordion. And I dance and dance and dance. Dancing is life for me. <laughs> so, all of you out there, dance, please. <laughs> well, it's all about dancing. Oh, but you had a lot of those things where you had a lot of these different feasts and people. And so it was very, very uh, salt of the earth kind of people. I mean, because you had to rely on the earth to provide for you. You were grounded in that. So life was very truthful. Life was grounded in the truth of nature. You were, you were connected to that deep, those laws of nature that you had to understand in order to thrive, correct? Yes. And, and we had our faith. We all uh, um, went to church. We'd go to church every Sunday. All the feasts, and there's a lot, a lot of feasts there, at, you know, the feast of the saints, and, and we'd all walk to the town and and sing, and as we're walking, we'd be singing songs, and then we'd stop and have a little coffee, a little prosciutto. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was a simple life, uh, but we were rich in, in, in love mm-hmm. and kindness to each other. So, mm-hmm. and anyway, that was my youth, or part of my youth. Uh, I um, then uh, back to the house when yes. we, we were uh, evicted, and then we had to live with my aunt. Then we had to build another house, and it took us a year to build this house. It's still standing, and we just had two two bedrooms and a kitchen, no bathroom yet. <laughs> um, my father, as I said, was here, and my mom, who was a, a, just a giant of a, a woman. She took care of everybody and everything. She was um, took care of all the family. She ran everything, and she made sure we were all in, in line. She was a very, very proud woman. Um, so we built this house, mm-hmm. and we lived in it one year. And then, of course, because the papers came for us to immigrate to America, um, the four of us, my mom and my other siblings. So that's, uh, and we left. We left in May of 1958. Mm-hmm. Uh, Were you happy about the decision, Ma? No. You weren't happy no, about the decision? No, no, I didn't want to come. You didn't want to come? I did not want to come. I didn't want to leave the comfort. Yeah. Uh, I was happy. 
I mean, I didn't know any different, and I wanted to stay with my friends, my family, uh-huh. and I was leaving my my two sisters and my brother, my grandma. I, I was leaving the family, yeah. and I didn't know how to speak English. We didn't know anything, so it was <laughs> really scary. I yeah. cried and cried and cried because I didn't want to come, but didn't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> you do what you're told, or the scaffold comes. That's it, the Anyway, it was um, real quick. We got to make a quick announcement. You're listening to this uh, amazing story, uh, an immigrant story here on KUHSDenver.com. That's KUHS. Denver.com. We are broadcasting live here in uh, Denver, Colorado, and reaching uh, not only people here all over this country, uh, but uh, all around the world. We are touching lives all around the world. We are, uh, our numbers are growing continuously on the council. I just want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in and listening to, uh, to my mother's story. So, uh, thank you. Okay. Okay. So, Describe the journey for us, Mom. I mean, here you are. You're leaving your the old world, the world that you grew up in, and I mean, this is the immigrant story. The immigrant that this whole country is built upon immigrants. Unless you're a Native American, you're an immigrant. Uh, we came to the story. Your ancestors came here for better life, to build for freedom, for opportunity, to escape oppression, to uh, for hope and the and the promise of something better for them and their their families. And this is embodied in, in their experience. And so can you describe for the audience and for those who are listening what that journey was? What, the, what was that journey like for you as a little girl? I mean, that little girl had to get on that boat who didn't speak any English, who didn't know where she was going. The world uh, that she had lived in was this small little village uh, in Italy. Uh, and would all of a sudden... You're in Naples, and you're going out into the wide world. Uh, you must have been scared and frightened and unsure. As I you was. Were, all those feelings must have happened, yes? I was very, very scared, and I, I cried. I, my mother always was strong, and she showed strength uh, because we had to do it. Instead, I cried because I, I didn't understand more than the rest of them because I was the youngest. And we got on the ship, of course, and... It took us 10 days, and it was a rough, rough, the waters were rough. The Atlantic was not kind, and I, it was just a scary thing. And But I, I ate a lot on the ship. We never <laughs> saw so much food. <laughs> I saw things that I had never seen. <laughs> so anyway, uh, a lady, an older uh, lady in Naples, uh, when we were in Naples before we left and we were talking, she told me, she gave me some advice and she said, you are going to a wonderful country, how lucky you are. She she was telling me all these things that I should do. And she said, and the first thing you do is when you get off that the ship, she says, bend down and kiss the ground because you're a lucky, lucky to be going to America. And it is true. This is the best country of opportunity uh, there, there is no other country that I know of. Uh, America is the land of opportunity. If you want to work, nothing can stop you. So I did that. I obeyed. <laughs> <laughs> I did, and uh, but it was scary. You know, I still remember when it, they called us on the top, you know, the ship, and to show us uh, New York. And I saw the Statue of Liberty, and everybody's crying, and and. 
just just you know we're afraid of of the future but we're happy at the same time so anyway we we stayed in new york some cousins for one day and then we got on the train and and came to colorado was well, it you uh you know so everybody was crying on the ship when they when you you came in and you saw the statue of liberty yes. and you came in well, that was just like oh very emotional yeah uh older i mean I was crying because I didn't want to be there, but everybody else was crying. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to go home. You wanted to go home, right? Everybody was crying. I'm like, what anyway? You know, I was a, I was just a little girl. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we got on the train two days later or three days later. But you didn't have enough money to get on the train. No, we I didn't. Mean, you didn't have enough, and your and uh, Nonna, uh, her mom had to t- tell the story my we didn't have there was enough for three uh three tickets and there was four of us so my idea was send me back but she didn't go for that one <laughs> <laughs> so she uh she, she begged and anyway uh th- after a while after the couple days she did get the, or a day she got the money my father had to wire some money to get the ticket for me and we got and, and we came to colorado this is where my father was. Uh, this is where his sponsor was. Uh, so this is where we came, and uh, and it's uh, so we've been here ever since. It's been sixty years. <laughs> but, now it's uh, you know it, what courage. I mean to be able to get on a ship like that, to not know where you're going, to experience all those emotions and those feelings. And it's the every immigrant, I believe, most have that experience of of coming in, and when they get here, uh, that e- explosion of emotion. Yeah. Know? And I think it's just a collective sigh, almost like, yes, you're afraid of what's going to happen, but you're. I mean, it's uh, a mourning of what's lost, and and then a fear of what's coming up. But yeah. you're together, and. Uh, and it's and you gave up everything. You go into this unknown with only the promise of a better life. That's and right. That's the, I think that's so critical when you think about the immigrant experience is that they left on a promise, a, a whisper of a promise, and they left. And and, and, and millions, millions, have, uh, whether they're fleeing uh, oppression, whether they were uh, coming from a, a place where there was no opportunity, whether, wherever it may be, they're coming to for that promise. And to not to be able to speak the language. Uh, you know, I know my cousins and I have talked about how incredible that courage must have been. But it wasn't easy. No, it was When wasn't. you got here, can you describe, I mean, uh, you came to Denver, you arrived in Denver because... Uh, uh, your father, my grandfather's, was being sponsored here. What was it like? Uh, I still remember the day we they picked us up on the train, and and I don't keep saying I cried, but I did cry, <laughs> cried a lot because was. So we went to our home where my dad was renting, and it was right across the street from uh, Mount Carmel Church, and I think that helped a lot just to hear the bells and and it related we related to home because in italy we would hear the bells all the time you know the church bells every day and uh, was, was faith important to you oh yes Why? very very because uh, uh, there's a lot of things that life you cannot explain and if unless you have faith 
you can't get through things. Mm -hmm. And the faith makes you understand that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. But when you're in that tunnel, dance. (laughs) (laughs) Just dance in the tunnel. Dance in the (laughs) tunnel and you'll get through it faster. I'm trying to find humor in this. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we got to the the house and and the relatives were there and and the the myself, my sister, and and my brother, uh, we were all kind of together. We didn't understand nothing. We didn't mm-hmm. we didn't like the food. Um, I didn't even recognize my father. I hadn't seen him in four years. I'd wow. not talked to him. Nothing. You know, there was no telephones. There was nothing at that time. You couldn't text message him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, that was out really? of order. Yeah. Uh, Instantaneous messaging. You didn't have that. Yeah. How did no. you survive? We survived, and it was good. Once in a while, we get a letter from our father, yeah. and uh, and as a matter of fact, I I have a, a couple of them because uh, I was sick when I was in Italy. I had some operations before I came, and my mm-hmm. father wrote me, and and it's just they're priceless. Those few words, you hang on to them; they're worth millions. Um, so we lived across the street from the church. And uh, this was in May, and I, and I had finished fifth grade in, in, in Italy. So in the fall, in, in September, I started fifth grade again. They made me repeat because I didn't speak English, mm. and which was fine. You know, I mean, no big deal. Uh, I went to school, and of course, I didn't know uh, school here is a lot different than it was in Italy. In Italy, we go six days a week and get off at one o'clock to have the, your big meal with your family because that was very important and it still is. They still do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I go to school here, Brian Webster, and I just sit there every day, sit in the class and I'm give me newspapers to cut, to cut pictures or whatever I wanted to do and I just was there. The first day, <laughs> nobody told me about lunch so the whole class leaves, and I'm thinking to myself, where are they going? So I just kept sitting there, sitting there. Finally, they come back, and I thought, pretty soon we're going to get out, right? Well, it was at like 3 or 30. <laughs> I was starving. <laughs> and so, but luckily, I had a cousin that didn't live very far, and every day I'd go to him, and he'd explain things to me. So I went to him, and I, mm. and he explained it to me, and so... That was the only day I didn't have lunch. But <laughs> <laughs> then, then uh, as far as the English, every day I would write words down the way I heard them, mm-hmm. the way in, in, in Italian. I would write 20, 30, whatever the, the day. Then I'd go to my cousin after school, and I'd tell him what I heard, and he would tell me the, you know, the meaning, how to spell it, and and all that. So that's how I, my vocabulary started growing. And of course, uh, and I read a lot and it was just the way it was. Yeah. But I, you know, nobody did it. I, I did it on my own and most people did it on their own and it's okay. You know, it really is okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you know, I had some help with, like I said, my cousin helped me a lot. And, and then my friends, as I, became uh, started talking to the kids 
I got friends, and they'd help me a lot. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, uh, I, it was me. I, I thought the kids were being mean to me, but they were not being mean. It was me because I, uh, I felt that I didn't belong. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I go, got older, I understand kids are more more embracing than adults because they and uh, so it wasn't them. It was just me because yeah. uh, I was scared. I didn't, you know. So you had to stick together, right? I mean, Absolutely. all the Italian community had, I mean, this is uh, normal. This is, you know, the uh, Hispanic community and the mm-hmm. Ethiopian community and all the other communities when they come to you have to, in order to help each other out. So you bonded together. You had like a little Italy, right? Here Absolutely. in North Denver where the, the people, so that you could uh, lean on one another until you could help to raise each other up, right? That's what it was called. It was called Little Italy. And uh, and it was all Italians. We all knew each other, and mm-hmm. we all helped each other. And uh, when we came, everybody got to work. I started cleaning houses, and then I worked at a creamery, which was right across the street from Mon Carmel. My brother was uh, cleaning schools. My sister, um, she went to work at the seamstress. My mother had two jobs. She was working at a, at a hospital, and she was making pizzas at night. Mm-hmm. And my father worked at a cemetery, digging graves at that time. Um, we, we all participated in, in, in working and partying, mm-hmm. you know, supporting, because my, my mother had made a lot of debt for our uh, tickets to go to America mm-hmm. and other things, so we all pitched in. And we... Um, my mother, I remember, my mother used to uh, make a list for me on Friday night to go to the grocery store. And I used to go to this grocery store. The neighbor down the street would come, and I was 11 years old. Mm-hmm. She would come and get me, and I had my list. <laughs> and we'd go, and uh, at that time, of course, we didn't have a car. Yeah. They used to deliver. The store had a, a truck, and they would deliver to the to Italian people there. So... You know, three hours later, you get your groceries, and I did that every Saturday. And uh, so, how many people stayed in the home? How many? How many people were living in the house while you guys were there? Uh, the first North house. Denver? The first house. There was, uh, uh, let's see, uh, six of us. Six. Six. Two bedrooms. Of course, my mom and dad, and then the rest of us. And what was it like to feel heat in your house? Oh, we were in heaven. Right. My mother thought she died and gone to heaven. <laughs> we were done with the bricks. You didn't, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have to put any more bricks in there? No more there. bricks. Oh, God, it was heaven. Yeah. And we didn't have to go wash clothes outside. I didn't do it because, like I said, I was younger. But my sisters and my mom, it was not easy. Mm-hmm. And so we had our wash machine, the old wash machines where you had to help out but it mm-hmm. still was home you were nice and warm um we could go to the store <laughs> i mean right. my mother right. and my father loved it they just because from they worked very very hard so to them was it meant so, so much more than yeah. for me even but uh so that's that very good well I, you know i want to uh, i want to do a quick announcement real quick uh before we're going to shift gears here just a little bit and move into the other part of your journey as well, uh, which is with having your own family. And 
Uh, I just want a quick announcement that we are broadcasting live on KUHSDenver.com. It's KUHSDenver.com, broadcasting here in Denver and all around the nation and all around the world. These are the best shows, the best programs, and the best music. And thank you all for tuning in to the council today as we're talking about uh, the immigrant story. Um, it was a difficult, you know, you guys grew up in the 60s. You know, you came here in... Uh, uh, you know, 1958, and then all of a sudden the 60s explode. It's like you had this clash of this old world tradition with this big upheaval that was happening in uh, the United States. You had, you know, JFK's assassination. You had the Vietnam War. You had Martin Luther King's assassination. You had Robert Kennedy's assassination. You had uh, the counterculture revolution. You had all these things that were happening. Uh, was it, how, how did that, affect the family? Was there any challenges that, uh, you know, in order to keep with those traditions that you were brought with, which was food, family, and faith, right? Did it, what, was there any le breakages and leaks? In none, no. none. You be, because in those situations, you stay stronger, you stay closer, and that's how you get through the hard times. And it, it, your roots keep you grounded. Mm-hmm. And and, and that's what we did. We didn't like, of course, all the painful things that was going through. But in our home, we had each other. And, and if you can, you know, we prayed or we, we, we felt bad for what was going on. But uh, we stayed together. We, we stayed the course. You stay positive in your life. You do the things that you need to do to uh, not to add to the problems in the world. Right. <laughs> Let's not add to any more of the problems. Of the well, yeah, if you take care of, you know, if you take care of yourself, that's important. Important, to, and and you give that example to your children, to to people around you. Uh, I mean, you have to care for humanity, yeah. but you have to care for yourself first and your family. And when you have a strong family, you could help others. That's right. Well, I agree with you there. I just want, uh, you know, there's, a, there's a, a, an episode then that I want you to share, if you wouldn't mind, with our audience. Um, and, and just to show how, um, what did I, uh, I, God knows his souls. Let me just put it that way. God knows his souls. The holiest people, in my opinion, don't even know they're holy. Uh, when my, uh, and you've been an amazing mother to all of us, Mom. Uh, we haven't always been the best of children. But you have always been the best of moms. Uh, and when you and my father first married, and I love my father, uh, but when you first married, you guys had some difficulties and some challenges. And we're not going to go after you came back from the war. Right. Uh, we're not going to go into the details of it, just that it was, both, it was a difficult time for both of you. Um, and I remember. However, during that time, you experienced something divine. Could you share with everyone the miracle that occurred for you in that very painful time of your life? I will. Uh, when I, we first got married, he like he just come back from the war. I didn't understand about the war. I didn't understand the demons that he, he had and that he had experienced. So uh, we were married. I had the two children, my son Charlie here and my daughter Gianna. And I thought everything was well, everything was good, you know, <laughs> what do I know? So it was in January of 76, I still remember it, as I remember the date, and he comes home one night, uh, 
two o'clock in the morning said he was leaving me and um i don't i still to this day believe uh he was it's he, he loved me and he loved the children but mm-hmm. he was just had demons that he just he thought he didn't want to hurt me but it hurt me more for him to leave anyway he did and uh, we almost um it was a difficult time for me i went to shock i had my my babies and and uh I cried a lot. <laughs> I'm always crying, Jesus. But I'm always <laughs> dancing, too. So, <laughs> As you are. Um, so I would pray every night. I'd put my children to bed. And then I'd have, there was this this place where I had a picture of the Sacred Heart. And the, and I'd go and say my rosary every night, every night. And I'd pray and I'd pray. Get on my hands and knees and I'd pray and ask the Blessed Mother or Jesus to help me. And... And she did. She came to me, and I saw her. She was most beautiful, 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 beautiful. There was no uh, crown. She was just in blue and white, their hands stretched out. And I couldn't even, I mean, the most beautiful face. All the statues I've seen throughout the world, not, nothing, nothing compares to her beautiful face. And she put her hand on my, on my head, and she says, I'm going to help you. Mm-hmm. And she did. He came back, mm-hmm. uh, and we had two more children. And amazing brothers and amazing sister. And, yes, you guys, uh, and I think it's one of the most beautiful uh, stories. I mean, did you, did, you, uh, did you do any mushrooms? Did you do anything, like, while you were there that I don't Are know you about? Nuts? Or did you do any, like, <laughs> uh, mind-altering substances? Never, did never, you never, any never. elixirs? No. Did I don't you? even know what half of that stuff is. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I just know what wine is, is and wine. dance. That's all I know. <laughs> so no. No, so I know some people. Did you change your diet? Did you do no, anything? No, no, no. I didn't do anything. Nothing. Of it's course. Just the purity of your heart. My heart, and, and I prayed love. so hard, and yeah. my love, number one, God, and and my love for for your father at that yeah. time was, uh, it was very yeah. powerful. Yeah. Uh, so we had uh, another. You know, we it's got back. Beautiful, to, yeah. and uh, and. Do you think that this happens for people with uh, with other faiths as well? Absolutely. Uh, My faith is not as long what I believe. Yeah. Faith, uh, mine is not the perfect one. Uh, every faith, as long as you love God, love humanity, and when you love each other, that's your love in God. Yeah. And and so you know my faith is not the only one, and it, you know, and I'm not above anybody, <laughs> and nobody's above me either. So right, we right. Stra- got that word strained out, right? Okay. Uh, no faith. They're all they're all wonderful. They and all beautiful paths to as long God. as you're good yeah. and you you are good to humanity, and and if you can do some good to somebody else, you should. That's yeah. what we're here for. So you know that's. And that has nothing to do with any religion. No, 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 no. Because you know I do yoga, Ma. I know. And I love yoga. You got me into (laughs) yoga. That's right. You know I meditate. You know I do all those things. Well, I dance. So you (laughs) (laughs) do. Well, you know, (laughs) to each his own. It works for me, dear. To each his own. (laughs) 
Um, and yes, we had a, a, a from that time when you, when when Pac came back, and uh, you, you guys provided for us so well, and you gave us some of the best. We have the Christmas holiday coming up right now, and you gave us oh my gosh, some of the most beautiful, beautiful times. I mean, if you go all the Christmas holidays were some of the best memories that we that we had as a family, and year after year after year, you and you and my father knew how to bring people together. You could bring uh, people together into that house, and they were some of the most magical times. People would come from all over, come from Florida, they'd come from uh, overseas in Italy, and they would come to experience the uh, the Christmas time that uh, that you and my father had been, were were able to do. Um, they were the best of times. Do you remember? Absolutely, I remember. It was fun. We used to set the table. It was 40 people, 50 people. and uh, Sometimes more. Sometimes and more. The one that sticks in my mind is the one that, I mean, they were all wonderful, but yeah. one where, uh, I don't know, we had all these people from uh, from Florida, like you said, and I, we just started dancing. <laughs> <laughs> we cleared off all the tables. We started yeah. dancing, and my brother-in-law pl- started playing the accordion. And it wasn't planned. It wasn't planned at all. And it was, it was just was, unbelievable. And it was, yeah. and I remember the little girls, my nephew's little girl, they wanted to go to the party house. Every, they tell mama, where can we go to the happy house? We had a happy house. We had a happy home. We did. Uh, but things happen in life. And uh, those it, years were, those years I cherish. Those times uh, were magical. Uh, you know, and all the tables set up with the food and the lights that you'd have in the house and the outside. And, uh, you know, they would, the carolers would come to the house. And it was just, it was it incredible. Was. And people would come in and then we, we'd move the tables and we'd start dancing and we're moving around. And people, it was just joy. I mean, it was really uh, so, so incredible. Uh, and it was almost like you were talking about how you did it in those little towns, how you would sing together and dance together in order to, that's what we... And we continued. We continued and replicated spontaneously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Spontaneously. I didn't know that's what you did until the show today. And, but I just made that link that that's what we did spontaneously yeah. for, those, for those holidays. It was, uh, it was a good time. Why were we... Um, you know, I, I've come to understand how great a treasure it is, a loving family is. And, uh, you know, it's in my mind, as I've looked and traveled and seen people and gone to people, it's what, it's what people are really starving for, is that sense of family, connection, you know, standing by you, that rootedness, you know, something. And there's so many people that are, you know, they're starving for it, they're trying to recreate it. Uh, in their fractured lives, they're, they're wanting to. Why were we so fortunate? Why were we so fortunate to escape the unraveling of that family dynamic so many families have experienced? What was, what was the secret that resided in your family? My, uh, we, uh, we just loved each other. We just, and, and we don't have hate in our hearts. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father was the most loving, kind, honest person. He would invite everybody. He would. He didn't care where you came from, no, what your background no, nothing, was. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Uh, Hindu, Muslim. Nothing. Uh, he loved every, people. He just loved people. He just right. loved people. Yeah. And, and you feel good inside when you do those kinds of things. And, mm-hmm. and, and when, you're, uh, when you have hate in your heart, 
it's it's uh, it, it, you have a an ugliness about you that nobody wants to be around you. <laughs> so it's, it doesn't have anything to do with, with what you eat or what you no, drink. No, 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 no. It's what comes from your heart. Your heart. And your whatever heart. Whatever it comes, uh, that's where the ill, that's where the malice, that's where the hate. It's the words because the words that you say are, are coming from the heart. It's not what you ingest. That's that goes right. through your body. That that comes out the other end. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's what you say. And, and no, Nicole, I didn't have that. No, and I, my mom was the tougher one, but and she had a different way of to. She um, she was a little quieter, but she loved with all her heart. And I tried to pass on to my children. I always told them when they left, this is one thing. Remember who you are and where you come from. And if you remember that, you won't make bad choices most of the time. <laughs> Sometimes you <Well>. get lost. <laughs> we got a little lost. Uh, yeah, you, we, all of you did, but all you're did. all back. <laughs> we all Thank got you. a little lost. You know, we weren't immune to tragedy. We had no. some tragedies in our lives. And, uh, yes. And, in fact, I would argue that for the last uh, 15 years, We've enacted our own version of a uh, full-blown, heart-wrenching Greek tragedy, and uh, as crisis after crisis occurred, uh, and in um, our family, yes, in our family, and all of your children, including yes. myself, had uh, went through some major crises. Uh, what was that like, a mother? Uh, you know, I, I try. I want to understand from what she is a mother. First of all, what is it? To, what does it mean to be a mother? And what was that like as a mother to watch everything that you poured your life into suddenly fall into these extreme life challenges where life was hanging in the balance? I think it is harder than a death because death is such a final. But when you're watching your children, knowing what I've done, what I put into them, and then seeing the destruction or the what they were doing, and I couldn't. Uh, there was no lifeline. I couldn't do it. No matter what I tried, mm -hmm. it didn't work. It was gut-wrenching. It was, uh, I, I got through it uh, through the grace of God. Mm -hmm. And I prayed a lot, cried a lot. Didn't <laughs> dance too much that time. You didn't dance too much. <laughs> no, I wasn't <laughs> dancing too time. much. And, of course, my wonderful family mm -hmm. and the amazing friends that I have. Mm -hmm. God has really blessed me and it just, I got, uh, I got through every day the best I could mm -hmm. and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and I kept trying. As a mother, that's part of you. I mean, you, the child is part of you. And so you're trying to save yourself at the same time. I think it's, yeah. it's hard to, and, and, and when you can't do nothing, oh, that's just, it's very, very difficult when you're seeing them going down deeper and deeper in a hole and there's no way to help him out and it was not a fun time but i'm making up for it now <laughs> that's good but you are making up for it now what is it what does being a mother mean to you Ma? what is it uh, was it something that you always wanted to have children to always always yeah. i wanted children and your father and i both wanted children yeah. and that, that was a lot of, you know we and he, we loved our children from day one. When I first had uh, Charlie, I wanted seven children, but four is good. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had I had my son Charlie, and I thought, oh my God! I mean, I was in love with each one of my children. They were 
uh, I just couldn't get enough of them. Each one. And when I had him, and then I when I and then I got pregnant with my daughter, and I had her, and I thought, how can I love her before I had her? But once you have another child, and the heart grows and grows bigger and bigger, and so by the fourth one, my heart's really big. <laughs> Thank God, because he was a <laughs> ten pounder. Ten pounder. <laughs> He took, he did it for me. That was it. But they have been, they're the life. They're my, I mean, I shouldn't, they, uh, I've always wanted children. And I used to tell my ex-husband that I was going to be, you know, they're going to rule me because I love, I wanted children so bad. So I needed him to help me the discipline. (laughs) And my mother, uh, the night before she died, an hour before she died, she says, you're too good to these kids. They're going to do it. They're going to do you in. But guess what, Mom? They haven't. No, that's right. They haven't. We had to go through our lessons. We had to go through our But anyway, our, our it was. All of us had to. And we've all come out the other side. They are, I, I, I adore my children. I, I, each and every one is a special for me. Do you want to be the typical Italian mother where you involve yourself in every aspect of your no. children's lives? Do you want to make there like you know they heard there's a stereotype of the Italian mother that uh, she's overboard and dominating for her children and she's always got to come in and impose and all. Do, is that you? No, that's not me. <laughs> okay. I like I come in when I see things that are wrong, but I want to see the things good so you guys could live your life and I can live mine. I need to go dance. <laughs> When you finally get it, then you'll do everything right, all of you, and then I could go my merry way and go dance. Yeah. How's that? That sounds good, Mom. That okay. Good. Uh, no, I don't want to be because that's not – you have to live your life. I just want you to be happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want you to be uh, at peace and, and be kind. Yeah. Kindness sometimes is more than love. And uh, yeah. Anyway. Well, we're almost done. We've, we're just I, a little bit. We've got just a couple minutes and a couple more questions, Ma. Okay. Um, like you mentioned, uh, you know, my dad, uh, after 40 years and in, in divorce, after 40 years of marriage, and uh, all of us were profoundly affected by it. Um, and what happens to one of us uh, happens to us all. And I don't want to go into the details of the divorce and separation, but what I do want to say, or I do want to ask uh, could you share with us your journey back to wholeness and the steps you took to get there? Because what you had to had to move through was a lot. It was a uh, gut-wrenching time. It was very difficult for me to lose my partner. Uh, but I understand I'm not angry. But now I'm not angry. I was angry. I was hurt. I was extremely uh, painful after 40 years and so it, it wasn't a fun time I, I cried a lot <laughs> I, I just couldn't I didn't sleep I was it was a, a difficult difficult time I was very angry uh, consequently my our children felt that and you know uh, they're very close to me so they felt their, all the pain also mm-hmm. they were they felt they helpless because they're seeing their mother being, you know, feeling all this pain. So uh, and it went on for quite a while. Mm-hmm. And so the children uh, 
were hurting in their own way. And and they didn't. They're not responsible, no. but there are because they belong to both. And uh, we felt both of you pulling apart. And, it's, and even in older children, uh, it can be even more yes. hard to be able to get through than younger children. Younger children are usually a little bit more adaptable. They can adjust to things like that uh, just because they're younger and they're mm-hmm. able to. And it's usually when the parents or the mother or the father they're doing well and they're stable that they start doing well. And, so, and I thought I always thought believed before that. Uh, it was it would be easier for older when people got divorced with older children, but it, it's not true. It mm-hmm. isn't true. I saw it with my own kids, and until I started getting better, I finally realized. I looked one day. I don't know where we were, what was going on. I saw my kids. They, everything was falling apart. There was craziness, and I thought, Oh my God, what am I doing? And I started to 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 knock it off. Basically, <laughs> started having more fun, uh, starting to have fun, accept what I couldn't change, mm-hmm. accept and, 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 and see my, and they saw me laughing and being happier and gave them the, uh, the okay. It's okay to love him and to, because uh, each parent has to give the other one permission. You have a right to love both parents. You do. You don't have to uh, respect the action that happened, uh, whoever did it, he or she. You know, the children, and they need to have the truth also. And we, it's, we have the, we, uh, making sure that it, it has, this was, uh, and this is what I talk about with people who go through divorce, it's got nothing to do with the children. Nothing, absolutely it's got to do nothing. With the, with the mother and the father, and, reckon, and recognizing that this has nothing to do with you. No. And so, because children, We'll take it personally because our DNA, whether you like it or not, is half <laughs> it's yeah. the two of you. So we, we are two. mixed together. That's right. It took two to tango. And so we're, we're, we experience that. And so when parents can really differentiate and reemphasize to their children, this has nothing to do with you. This is between me and your mother or this is between me and your father. We, we're, our love for you has not changed. It is such a critical thing. And... What you were just talking about, what you recognized that you needed to get better. Uh, yes, the parent. Because you're the root. Yes. If the root is wounded, that's right. if the root is not is grounded, if there's no way for the branches to grow. To, to grow and to root themselves. Because yeah, we're all connected to the, we may be branches of, we're all branches of a tree, but we, the root that's we, right. is the same. It's the same trunk. We yes. can't ground in if you're, if you're not taking care of yourself. And it's such a critical, critical thing to get. And it's what we started this show about at the beginning. And exactly. And, and uh, my children starting in better and it, our life has gone better. Uh, they have a good relationship with their father, which I am. I'm, I encourage. Mm-hmm. I've, I've encouraged you. He is your father. And, you know, didn't have him, you guys by myself. Nope. And he supported and did a lot of wonderful mm-hmm. things. Uh, what happened between him and I is between him and I. Correct. And uh, and that's the way it was supposed to be. <laughs> Mom, the family crises have passed. Dark time's over. Everybody is doing better. Life's expanding again. People are moving ahead. Next year, there's going to be a wedding in Italy. I know. Can you believe? <laughs> I never thought one of my children would marry someone from Italy. She is She's the wonderful. love. She's my gift from God. Yeah. Did you ever imagine, you know, I mean, actually, when they're, they're getting married in Italy, did you ever imagine all this would happen the, the way it happened? Do you, the, the way it happened when you got on that boat as a little girl? 
Hell no. <laughs> if I the good things, I want to swim back if I could. If I would have known all this that I was going to go through, uh-huh. I'd have turned around, honey. <laughs> and I don't even know how to swim. But because <laughs> my God. Anyway. Oh my God. <laughs> are you crazy? I'm not that far gone yet. <laughs> it was not easy, but it, uh, the joy of having my four kids, that's been uh, the reward of the marriage. Yeah. And, and I'm sure it is for your father, too. And uh, uh, you are, all of you are just amazing. You're kind. You stick with each other. I mean, you fight like we did with, you know, but you forgive. Yep. You move on and you help each other. That's what I want my children, to be there for each other. Because the world out there is not very kind sometimes. And if you don't have the roots and that, that strong bond, it's hard to make it through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And have faith. Ma, if you could give one bit of advice before we uh, close out the show today, from your experience, from your life experience and all the wisdom that you have and the challenges and the crises and the triumphs, all that, what would you give? What advice would you give your future uh, children or future, future grandchildren, great-grandchildren? This is the, you linking the, mo- the mothers behind you to the mothers in front. Um, what would you? What was your advice, Mom? Stay true to yourself. Uh, don't forget where you come from. Honor where you come from. No matter where you come from, there's good. Find the good. Sometimes it's hard, but there is good. Mm-hmm. And pray. Stay close to God, and you've got it made. And once in a while, dance. And once in a while, dance. <laughs> Once in a while, dance. It's all about dancing. It really is. Just sing, just dance, and uh, one more you want. Yeah, you got it. Enjoy life. Treat each other the way you want to be treated with kindness. No, we don't need to read more books about kindness. We need to be more kind. Exactly. We need to. We know what to do. We already know what to do. I want to say one more thing. Sure. You can read all the books you want, but listen to people. When you have someone that has a story. Go talk to them because when they're speaking, you feel their pain, you feel their joy, you feel them. A book, they're wonderful, please. <laughs> I'm not saying not to read. But if you have the opportunity to get stories from your grandparents, from your parents, from aunts, uncles, go listen. There's, that's something that a book doesn't have, no. the feeling. Mom, all that I am and all that I hope to be is because of you and the angel mother that you are. Now you're going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Buon Natale a tutti. Uh, a tutti, a tutti. Uh, folks, thank you so much for joining us today on the council. Uh, I hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, we will be back in, next week for our closing show of the year, and I hope you will tune in. Uh, Thank you again, folks. The council is adjourned. May you all be well. May you all be free of pain and suffering. May you all be whole. God bless. See you next week.
still on? I think it's still on. Henry! Ciao! <laughs> Ciao! I can talk. I can continue. <laughs> keep talking. I have like, lots of stories. <laughs> okay, so... Um. Buon Natale. Happy New Year. Wish all of you peace, love, and